Hello, and welcome to episode 104 of the BMcast. Not a podcast that commits really hard to a bit where we switch hosts, but pretend we didn't with no real plan how to get out of the bit we committed really hard to, thus leaving us in an awkward improv scenario we don't have the skills to deal with, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I'm Scott, and I'm joined by the most handsome, winsome, and hilarious guest we've ever had, Anthony. How are you today? <laughs> I'm good. I'm really good at art. Uh... I don't know where to go with this bit anymore. <laughs> that is something I say. I'm really good at art. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be honest. It's very unusual for uh, an episode of the cast to start where it's not me talking, and it feels very weird to be like on the other end of it. I honestly don't know what I'm supposed to be saying right now. I, I'm not prepared for this. <laughs> I'm just helping you stretch and improve. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you want to talk about you, or should I talk about me for a minute? Uh, honestly, I've, I've ruined no our idea. script. I'll, <laughs> you know what I'll do? I'll. You ask me how I'm doing, so I'll, I'll let you know. I'll let you know. So, I personally have been good over the past week or so. Uh, I have started to get tired of a few of my decks, my commander decks. So I'm trying to figure out which ones to disassemble and repurpose into new stuff, and it's been tough. Uh, I did a thing on Twitter. Well, I posted a thing on Twitter where I talked with my regular play group, and I was like, "Listen." I want to change out some of these decks. I want to disassemble them. So I made a tier list for you to tier list all of my decks. And then five or six of the people in my friend group did it. And I took the aggregate data from that and I made a rating for them, like a deck approval rating. It's so nerdy, but I love it. Uh, Right? (laughs) So I now have like five or six decks where I'm like, okay, these aren't super popular with my play group. So I'll probably consider taking those apart and swapping them for something else. So so with that in mind, I've also been brewing a lot of decks and you and I, Anthony, we are very similar when it comes to very. what we like to do with magic. Kind of scarily mm-hmm. similar sometimes. Uh, <laughs> it's weird. It's, it's a good thing. I had this deck idea and as soon as I remember that you were on this weekend for the recording, I was like, I need to tell Anthony about this. So I'm working on Gale, Waterdeep Prodigy, and Raised by Giants as Muscle Wizards deck, where you use pump spells to <laughs> grow Gale and other creatures, and you use like sorceries and instants like uh, like Harrow and Rampant Growth and stuff to be able to trigger Gale to let you play more pump spells or card draw from the bin, and vice versa. It's just wild. It's just like grow big things, do the big punch, spells yeah. happen, all sorts of nonsense. So I I yeah. love it so much. You're exactly you're exactly right. I mean, I, my favorite thing to do in a game of Commander is just throw pump spells at a cold eyed Selkie. Mm-hmm. And so you're in colors. You could even play cold eyed yeah. Selkie in the ninety nine, and it makes sense. It's I so, think I will. So clever. <laughs> or you can just like I'm gonna cast this invigorate for free. Like that. Mm. That's all I want to do. That's the best feeling in the world is yeah. casting and having great for free and having having that be a valuable game action to take in a game of Commander is mm. awesome. Fun fact: When I was starting this brew, it's not finished yet, but when I'm starting this brew, Invigorate was the very first card I added after the Commander of Background. So. Yes, <laughs> weird, so similar. This is uh, weird. Yeah, this is so weird, but it's great. Yeah, I, I love it. Yeah, I actually I just started brewing. Uh, deck. I'm not sure if I'm gonna stick with it, but a five color feather deck where I'm playing Najila, oh. and I'm trying to polymorph the tokens into a into a feather or into a gale <laughs> or into you know there's. But I I was goldfishing in a little bit, and the first time I cast gale, I was like, wow, this card's kind of the real deal. This is mm. really strong, big time. Yeah. Speaking of like really really strong cards, I have seen a lot of 
Hinata decks. That's um, Hinata mm-hmm. Donkrand from Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, where spells cost one less to cast for each target they have, so people have been playing a lot of like yeah. X spells and that kind of stuff. And The deck basically kind of builds itself. Um, if you're yeah. going down the default route of X spells and stuff. It's absurdly powerful. It turns every X spell into, well, this just breaks the game. And yep. I'm not a huge fan of that. I like to have something interesting to do. And I took a page out of Lenny Woolley's book, which is to do a gumball deck, where you take a normally powerful commander and every card in the 99 must be 25 cents or less. And oh yeah, it's super, super cool. I get to put in loads of really weird, cool, interesting cards that don't normally see play in Hanada decks. It is also still strong, but it's nowhere near as strong because I'm not putting in the super pricey yeah. cards. But yep. it's, it feels so cool. Like One of my favorite decks, I think, is Lenny's Urza Gumball deck, where it's Urza, yeah. Lord High Artificer, and then just 25 cent artifacts and it just yep. it just does silly stuff and it's great and that's what i wanted to go with on this and i think i think it's feeling like that which is uh, nice linny is a fantastic deck builder i think right? i think everything he he posts about is so interesting he thinks about the game in a really a really clever unique way uh, yeah so i'm not not surprised at all to hear his name come up whenever we're talking about some deck building yeah absolutely in terms of like content and that kind of stuff, I have a couple of bits as well. Uh, I have an article out this week all about red in Commander, and the title is like basically is red fixed? Because a few years ago, red mm. was hurting like why it was recently yeah. for improvement because it was just burn spells, and then it would run out of gas, and then you would be trying to find ways to sort of keep up with the game. And as you know by my lately the Blade of Forge deck, that seems to have changed. So I go sort of in a deep dive. <laughs> into the different parts like impulse draw or the card filtering and treasures and spell copying and that kind of thing and to sort of analyze the different parts and see how it's improved and if we are at a point where it's now good enough if you want to check that out that is on card kingdom so you can look at it after the show and also this friday it should be let me check the calendar it should be the 29th of july there will be an episode out on the uncommon commander podcast featuring myself I was talking to Cole, uh, the host, about my... Uh, this is actually a deck that I think we have in common. Uh, Calafe Beloved at Sea. Great <laughs> my, card. Love my it. My blue Aura yes. Voltron deck. Yeah. I talk about how and why it's sleeveless and uh, the joys of like picking a niche commander and like the brewing challenge evolved, the kind of cards that you find in your search to find the right cards for them and how it can feel so rewarding, especially when yeah. you're facing down against other people and you start playing cards and they're like hold on and they start doing double takes and then they're like really impressed by these cards they've never heard of and they're getting clowned by them and they're like i gotta hand it to you this is incredible like that's such a good feeling it's the best feeling in the world yeah it's so good yeah so you can check that out on friday that's out there as well so okay normally i'm the last person to talk so instead of actually going to ads now i have to go and ask you anthony (laughs) first of all to the listeners who are you first of all if they don't know who you are and then how are you yeah uh my name's anthony i'm mostly active on twitter um you might know me as listener alters or just listener for a long time i did a a whole lot of digital card alters i kind of use that as a form of self-expression especially in the pandemic years Mm. i've been i've been like really pushing into art and things I can do from home. And that was sort of a thing that has always gripped me, people who are really good at altering. And so I kind of got into it a few years ago. 
And uh, lately I've been doing a lot fewer of the altars and doing just a lot more original art and graphic design stuff mm. just because I, I think I, I've kind of run my course, I feel like, a little bit with altars. Not that I'm, I'm giving up on them, but just it's not the thing I want to be about, you know? Yeah. So I've just been practicing art. I've also been... Um, I have four small children and a wife with a broken hip. And so I don't do a lot. I do a, a, a whole lot of taking care of humans. I mean, that is doing a lot in and of itself. <laughs> yes, it is doing a lot. It is doing a lot. And there's so much laundry that comes with six humans living in one house. I, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it surprises me every day. <laughs> there's so much laundry still. I just did this laundry. Uh, so I think that's another another thing that has kept me from been a little less engaged with the internet world lately, just with personal life stuff going on. But yeah. um, I love to brew. I love to do art. Um, I think, as we'll get into today, I, I I think magic can be a special kind of art form in itself. And so I've been playing the game for a long time. Started in mm. M10, and um, that's always been one of the things that has. I found to be very endearing is the way that each person can express themselves in a game of magic. And I can sit down um, from someone and see a deck that is a piece of who they are. And maybe I've never seen it before ever. Yeah. You know, there's so many cards and so many ways to configure decks and so many things you can do. Um, I just have a lot of, I value that a lot. So those are the things I try to post about most on Twitter. Yeah. Awesome. If you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. Not only will you get access to all of the show notes and deck lists, but you get to listen to the new episodes a day earlier than anyone else. Visit patreon.com forward slash the BMcast to join today. There are also free ways to support them too. Just listening to the show is already great. You can follow them on their Twitter at the BMcast as well, and even DM them for a link to the Discord server. No matter your budget, we'll make sure you get your stonks on. Okay, so uh, we've we've just been talking and joking over the ad, uh, but I'm going to take the reins a little bit. Uh, the the bits run its course, I think, but uh, I think the silliness hasn't. <laughs> But <laughs> sorry for hijacking this train. You can oh, have no, it back I've, now. I I loved it. I loved it. It gave me a break. It's all good. I didn't have to take a massive deep breath this time to do the intro, so you know, I'm happy. But it is your episode, Anthony. So, that means as is tradition, you should have card mm. of the week for us. I do. As you know, we're both very big enjoyers, lovers of small blue creatures. One of those blue creatures that I've kind of had my eye on for a long time and then recently noticed a pretty significant price decrease is Phantasmal Image. Uh, oh, Phantasmal yeah. Image is a card that sees a play in a, a lot of different formats. Um, I feel like it was even kind of a modern staple for a while, maybe less so mm -hmm. lately. It sees play in Blue Spirit decks often. I think it probably has seen some play in merfolk in different iterations yeah it sees a lot of play in cedh especially with the rise of dockside extortionist because you can oh, yeah. phantasmal image somebody else's dockside and or their their gilded drake or there's just lots of good things it's a it's it's a two mana 
clone, you know, which is the cheapest clone that exists. And so as of the time I added this to the show notes, it was about $2.67 in U.S. dollars, um, which is crazy low compared to what it was for a long time because it's just a a really unique effect at at two mana. You just can't find that. Yeah. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago, a friend of mine had started to put together a five color humans deck for modern and they needed four phantasmal image in it and mm-hmm. they spent nearly a hundred euros on the playset. yeah just absurd this is like two euros now that's such yeah. a huge change yeah right. it's it's fantastic card and just about anywhere i mean in casual commander decks i mean clones are really good in commander because they always are going to match whatever power level you're trying to be at they're going to do a second version of something that you do and the clause about sacrificing it if it becomes the target of a spell mm. it just happens so rarely where they wouldn't just be pointing a removal spell at it anyway you know what spells yeah. are they pointing at your creature that's not a removal spell so it it eats removal the same way anything else would yeah maybe commander you have things like pingers and stuff that can show up in your odd games but it's hard to beat for two mana uh and this yeah. is this has not been this cheap in a in a long time maybe ever i i think you're right yeah it's incredible good shout yeah thank you not fetchable off of step through, I want to say, which is no. a big downside, but yeah. uh, we'll deal with it. Yeah, you know what? We'll, we'll let people in on this. Uh, we, myself and Anthony, we have a shared love of the card step through. Three blue, blue sorcery. Top two target creatures, is it? I think it bounces two, two creatures. Oh, bounces two creatures, okay. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever cast that side of it. Yeah, this card that we love, we don't even know what it does. <laughs> <laughs> That's wizard cycling for two. One of my favorite things in any blue deck that runs more than a couple of wizards is to put in the step through and your spicy spicy tech that i had I think i've talked about on here before which is where you yeah. put an umara wizard into the deck which is what is a five mana like three four, three, or three something? when you it's a four three when you cast an instant or sorcery against flying until end of turn it's pretty yeah. bad yeah it's really bad except the back half of it is a land because it's an mdfc so yeah. you can use wizard cycling to go and get your i don't know Talrand or your whatever other wizards you're doing or you can go and get a land it's a tap land but it still tutors it up and that's fantastic so yep. yeah yeah that's step through is fantastic that's that's we kind of hit on the second card of the week but just i encourage <laughs> listeners to just like take a look through any of your blue decks and just count how many incidental wizards you might happen to have there's just so many you know every all the way up to thassa's oracle if you're playing at that power level or all the way you know archmage emeritus or, yeah. yeah, there's just a, everything. There's so many things that just happen to be a wizard that if you've got three, four, five of them in your deck, then maybe step through is worth playing. Yeah, it's a it's a neat little sort of stamp of identity I find in any list that I see. I'm like, did I make this or did Anthony make this? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's usually one or the other. Um, yeah, which I think is really cool, and it actually kind of segues nicely into this week's topic and that is self-expression and magic we're gonna just chat about like the different ways that you can self-express in magic generally speaking commander most of all but this applies to all formats and sort of why we do it and that kind of thing and just to sort of get a bit of a bit of a chat going about that because it is a huge part of magic you know like a lot of the more competitive formats like i said less so because you're trying to create the best deck and play as optimally as possible in order to win and everything but commander it's just a it's like the way i described it on the uncommon podcast the other day is like it's just it's one of the best sandboxes in a game yeah. to ever exist and yeah. 
self-expression naturally will just evolve from that because we're all human we want to do that and the opportunity's there so yeah it's fantastic yeah and you even touched on you know one of the first things i thought of is even if you're not playing commander if you're playing in competitive formats mm-hmm. some people still do find room for self-expression there you know there are brewers but there are also people who you know will find the spicy one of the fun mm-hmm. of for their deck or whatever or there's people who really like being uh, a particular archetype of player you know there are people who are like i'm the burn player and that's just what i do and i just play burn all the time or i'm the merfolk player and sometimes you'll see that at your lgs or sometimes you see that in bigger personalities like the professor is like a loves merfolk and that's who he is and everybody knows him for that and there's something that i don't know draws us out that that comes out even in competitive circles yeah absolutely because like that kind of thing where like you feel drawn to an archetype it's usually for that kind of play style or the kind of cards that are in it reflect your personality or the way in which you hold yourself or the way you see yourself and that could be such a grounding thing within a game because if you find where you feel you're supposed to be within an environment, be it a game or life or anything, you feel better. Like everybody mm-hmm. wants to belong, and if you feel like you belong in the thing, like for the longest time, I was the storm player. I've since moved on. Like, but you know, at the time, like that's how I felt best reflected me like yeah he's playing the weird deck where he does big smart boy things and, and that kind of thing you know and i've learned that that's that's not so much me anymore but it's good to be able to experiment and try and find these places within games that you feel you yeah fit yeah yeah and there's even you know for the spikes out there there's like a competitive edge in that if you can yeah. be equally skilled at every single deck, then yeah, it makes sense to play whatever the best deck in the format is. But if you can't just be equally skilled at every single deck, then playing an archetype that you're really comfortable with gives you an edge. And I think that that's, that's a valuable thing. You know, you play what you like, and if you play it enough, you get, you get good at it. And sometimes that's, that makes up for the fact that your deck might be a tier below whatever the best deck is. Yeah, 100%. And outside of the sort of the higher tier competitiveness and stuff and moving a little more towards, I suppose, the janky stuff within formats, but also very much so, this is where we're moving into sort of commander territory now, is creative deck building and brewing. And this is, you have written in the show notes, Anthony lives here. Uh, This is (laughs) absolutely (laughs) It's also (laughs) absolutely where I would put you, you know, thinking of like just just crazy off the wall ideas uh, or or challenging yourself to try and make something interesting or different or something that sounds like it wouldn't work but maybe it would and yeah sort of traveling those less traveled roads to see what's at the end yeah i found this to be uh something that i would i would have an easy time talking about because i think commander is a special format where we get to be creative as much as we want. And anything that you can imagine doing in a game of magic, you can find a way to make it viable in Commander. That's not true in Modern. You know, if I really love oofs and I want to build oof tribal, it's I'm going to get stomped in any Modern event that yeah. I play. But in Commander, you can find a way to actually make that work. Um, And I think there's something really special about that. And I think that is probably a big reason that Commander has become so popular. 
Yeah. And so I, I listed out, you know, I, I have people who, who will come to me and they'll ask for help being creative with their deck building because it doesn't come naturally to everybody. Not everybody's wired the same way. Yeah. Uh, and some people don't know how to make something that's strange. They they have a much easier time if they can, you know, take a deck list they found online and, and build that and see if it's fun and if it suits them. But I've given some given us some categories today, uh, yeah. some ways to think about creative deck building, and maybe if one or two resonate with you, if you find yourself in that in that camp as a listener and you're not quite sure how to do creative deck building, maybe one of these categories will speak to you um, in a way that that helps move you that direction. If that's a, a goal you have, something that you want to do. Yeah. So the first one that you've listed here is limitations. Now, this is one that I do quite a lot myself. Yeah. Well, you even spoke about it earlier. Your gumball deck, that's a type of yeah. limitation, right? Everything exactly. has to has to cost a quarter or less. Um, and uh, that's, that's a limitation you put on yourself. And that forced you to be creative. You're going to come out yeah. the end with a different Hinata deck. Lenny's going to come out with a different Urza deck than your typical thing because you forced this limitation on yourself that um, now you can't use the cards that would be tempting to include otherwise yeah i think companions are a great example of that right they've mm. they it's written right on the card right forces you into some kind of limitation that you can't build outside of rather than just building anything you think would fit in a given deck yeah um tribal decks are another like pretty clear example of a limitation if, depending on how hard you want to commit to a, a tribe even if all my things are going to be spiders and they're all going to be spiders and this mm. I can't play Eternal Witness and I can't play Beast Whisperer, even though they would be good in the deck because they're not spiders and that's how this deck is built, you know? Yeah. Do you have any other decks that you've built where you feel like they fit into this category? Ooh. Yes, I am, but in different ways because, well, first of all, the thing that I stand by when it comes to building any deck, I nearly always impose some form of limitation or restriction because mm-hmm. I find it helps me to figure out the deck or the challenge that I'm, I'm presenting myself with. If someone was just like, build a, a Traxa deck or whatever, I would be like, there's yeah. just too many options. There's too many different yeah. possibilities. There's too many different directions I can go with this. I need to impose some, impose some sort of limitation on myself. Possibly this is a bit of an ADHD thing, but uh, you know, it, it just helps in general because it also whittles down the number of options that are available. And one of the things that I do, because I'm so used to doing budget content now at this point, that even when I'm not necessarily restricted by budget i almost by default go to a certain sort of budget level or at the very least i i automatically don't choose to include cards that you know some people will go i'm immediately adding that you know like i don't add dock sides or tides or that kind of thing mostly because i don't play that kind of power level but it is i find that like it's a little too easy to sort of make things a little too similar by just allowing yourself those things so you know, one of the, the restrictions that actually that I've, I've talked about here a couple of times is artisan. So to make something yeah. with only commons and uncommons, it does limit the power level to some degree. Uh, but it also means that you would start including cards that you would otherwise not think to include. Or you would mm-hmm. start searching for cards and you would get past the first page or two of Scryfall and go, OK, this is normally where I would have plenty of cards and I'd have to start making cuts but now I don't have enough, so I need to keep going. And through yep. the the deeper, deeper dives, that's where you find all these really unique and interesting cards that give this unique flavor to the decks. And that's what I found yeah. with like 
Essior and Arden as an artisan deck uh, when I turned Sir Conrad into an artisan deck as well. Same with uh, Sir Cara the Bold. Loads of those kind of decks. Um, Calafay was very similar as well because she's not an artisan deck, but I did say that, like, listen, I want to have a sub-theme of sea creatures because I never really had the sort of kitchen table, very casual experience. My friend basically oh. gave me a deck and was like, we're going to play an FNM. It's standard. And sort of went from there. So I never really had the play without sleeves with your cousin on the kitchen table kind of thing. So I was <laughs> yeah. like, well, sleeveless deck and I'll just have some sea creatures and make it feel like it's on theme and that kind of thing. So, yeah, yep. it, these restrictions can be done for different reasons, either, you know, circumstantial, like budget and that kind of thing. Or you want to have a very specific kind of experience or you feel that this kind of flow of deck building or style of deck that you end up with with these restrictions just feel like you and that's where i think i sort of live mostly is within the limitations camp yeah 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 definitely i have listed as an example of one of my decks that uses both of the ones that i mentioned earlier which is Mm. i have a tribal companion deck i have a marchesa garuda goblin tribal deck which (laughs) i i wanted to make it it started with you know wanting to make a deck that I didn't have to think too much. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you just want to like turn some creatures sideways and goblins just yeah. go for it. That's all they want to do. Make more of them and then mm-hmm. go hard and <laughs> you just make more goblins and you swing. Um, but I didn't, you know, I wanted to find a, a weird spin on it. And so uh, I, it just occurred to me, I think after thinking about it for long enough that Marchesa fit within Garuda's, limitation of it has everything has to be even converted mm-hmm. mana cost that also let me do you can take a, a relatively popular tribe like goblins and force me into playing some stranger ones going deeper in the pool if yeah. i can't include any one drops or three drops that cuts a lot of good goblins out i can't play <laughs> matron i can't play a lot of the lords i can't play lackey um so it's fun um yeah. and it it can still pack a punch you still get muxus you still get cranko yeah so it can still do some stuff and garuda sort of gives you this weird late game when you run out of gas you've played all the goblins in your hand then yeah. you can play a garuda and sort of try to grab a few few more things get a little bit of card advantage going that's sweet. also happens to work really well with marchesa if you can get a plus one counter on it and then you kill it and then you bring it back and you do the garuda thing again so nice lots of weird synergies there but <laughs> It was it. I wouldn't have found all that if I hadn't set that limitation on myself. Yeah, and similarly, another kind of I suppose sort of like a an offshoot of limitations. I suppose is setting like specific challenges. So yeah, yeah. I put this category in here because I was thinking. I don't know if you've ever done this, but I, I I have literally been like, I want to try and take something that is bad and make it as good as I can. And so, like, I have a Rashida Scalebane deck. I was mm-hmm. I wanted to make something that was mono-white, and I came across this creature, and I'm like, this is really bad, but what can I do <laughs> to make it viable? You know, like you were saying earlier, like, a, like if we can, if I can surprise somebody, mm-hmm. and they say, wow, I've never seen, I've never even heard of Rashida Scalebane. This card is terrible. Uh, it's, a, it's three white-white for a three-four. You tap it to destroy target attacking or blocking dragon. It can't be regenerated. You gain life equal to its power. Mm-hmm. So it's five mana, has to come off summoning sickness, can only destroy an attacking or blocking dragon. So it's so narrow. Yeah. 
It's a mono white. <laughs> um, but I've come to really love the deck. And I feel like when I can make it work, you know, I feel like I've done something, you know, some, some people feel accomplished by winning. Yeah. I feel accomplished by like, did I take this bad thing and make it viable? Like that feels like a win to me, you know? Yeah. This is the kind of deck building that I'm really bad at because <laughs> I look at cards like this and I'm like, this commander could just be something else and just be something that'd be a little bit better. And I know that that's like yeah. the, the like the competitive like introduction to magic that I was given has like kind of ruined some of that fun for me. Like I'm I'm currently trying to like come around to this a little bit more where I set myself specific challenges. But yeah, yeah. it's always fascinating to see these kinds of decks just do the thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I I think that's fun. People, you know, people who build like goat tribal or whatever like that's impressive you make a goat tribal work okay you've earned it you've earned it i think it overlaps too with the next category of Mm -hmm. i have listed as sub goals which is um setting a goal for yourself other than winning Mm -hmm. which first of all i think can just help get in a healthier mindset sometimes you know if you're feeling a little grumpy or you're feeling like you haven't won in a while or or if you tend to be more spiky and um you're having trouble figuring that out in your commander play group. I think having a goal other than win the game in a deck can be really fun. Yeah. And can, can loosen you up a little bit. Yeah. It's Um, kind of like, it's kind of like taking the, taking the focus off the winning part and just diverting it to this other goal. I want to make this interaction happen. You are, are considering that, the win the game now it's not you're like yes so spiky people can still do this kind of thing and have a blast it's just yeah. like it, it seems on paper at first you're like ah, but it's not trying to win so you know that's not really me but you'd be surprised like these sub goals and stuff to try and try and get these things to happen is it's always always really satisfying and does feel like a win yeah even if you don't win yeah. the actual game yep Definitely. I, yeah. um, I have a deck that the goal is to introduce as many copies of Coveted Jewel to the table <laughs> as possible. So, which is really makes things yeah. things wacky. Um, I can read Coveted Jewel for listeners who aren't familiar with it. It's a six mana artifact. When it enters the battlefield, you draw three cards. You can tap it to add three mana of any color. Uh, and it says, when one or more creatures and opponent controls attack you and aren't blocked, that player draws three cards and gains control of Coveted Jewel, untap it. Mm-hmm. And so it's sort of, it's almost Monarch-ish. It's like Super it's Monarch. Cur- yeah. Yeah, Super Monarch. You get, you get this free Gilded Lotus for your Monarch trouble. Um, yeah. I actually just... As a side note, I, f- I saw a deck list online where I guess this is getting played in Vintage, which is incredible to me. <laughs> but I guess makes sense that there's not a lot of attacking going on in the format. Yeah. You're happy to play your rock that taps for three and draws you three cards. <laughs> Probably pretty good there. But uh, yeah, it's you know it rewards attacking. I feel like it rewards fairer gameplay. So if somebody's mm. comboing off, they're not going to get these seven copies of Coveted Jewel I've made over here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, you know, th- then, like, that that's the primary goal. But the deck can still win. I think that's important mm-hmm. to a deck like this. Now my win conditions are, once I've made a bunch of coveted jewels, how do I turn that into a win as everybody's drawing yeah. all these cards and, and gaining? So, like, the, the commander is Zedru. So when you take all these coveted jewels from me, 
now I get to draw more cards and gain some life and things like that. And um, the deck can still win, but it has this this primary goal of make as many coveted jewels as I can to make the game fun. And then then the win conditions kind of piggyback, uh, take a secondary role to that. Yeah. These are, again, so sweet to see, like, in action. Because, you know, it, it'd be like, it'd be like if, if you were to, like, compare this to any other hobby. Like, let's say, I don't know, you, you did archery. And you went yeah. to go down to do an archery competition or something. And one of the people next to you, like, showed up with, like, a Nerf gun and, like, a tennis racket <laughs> and a tennis ball. And was like, yeah, this is why, how I'm doing archery today. It's like... Well, it, this kind of thing just doesn't happen in most other hobbies, but the the ability to self-express that happens in Magic, and this is the kind of thing that, like, this normally isn't something that I would go for, but I still get so excited by seeing other people do this, because I'm seeing other people experience this game in a totally different way that I personally yeah. don't really understand for, like, if I was to play it, I would, you know, I would enjoy it, but I wouldn't enjoy it the way that I would normally enjoy playing Magic. And the fact that someone can get something so satisfying and and so enjoyable out of a game that I'm playing and I'm doing nothing like that, that's it, that's incredible. It just speaks to the the depth and variety in Magic and Commander in specific. But it's so awesome. Yeah, to that's see. that's a good point. It reminds me of you know any sort of team game that I've enjoyed over the years. One of the things that I enjoy about it is getting to like have those high five we did this together kind of moments and it's harder to get in magic you know you can you can cheer whenever your friend does something really cool but also it's kind of your job to stop it and so that's kind of can be tense sometimes you're not quite sure how to balance that but when there's something like this Mm -hmm. oh i'm just trying to make as many coveted jewels as possible and then when i make 10 coveted jewels like we can be like yeah i did it i did it and we're still (laughs) playing and you can still be doing your best to try and win and we can all, you know, high five about sub goals like that, you know, or like sometimes people will try to win in weird ways. I have Helix Pinnacle listed on here. That's a fun one. Yeah. Um, I've seen people try to do, is it Hedron Archive where you want to have one in your hand and one in your graveyard and one in exile? Um, Hedron, is it Hedron? Maybe not. Archive. I know the one. It's alignment. Yes. Hedron Alignment. Yes. Correct. Yeah, if, if you can pull uh, that off, then good for you. <laughs> I'll read it out. It's two and a blue enchantment with hexproof. It has an activated ability of one and a blue to scry one. And it says, at the beginning of your upkeep, you may reveal your hand. If you do, you win the game if you own a card named Hedron Alignment in exile, in your hand, in your graveyard, and on the battlefield. So you're obviously making copies and putting them into weird places and doing strange things with it. But, yeah. Yeah. Like, can't even be upset if somebody wins that. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah. And, like, you know what, with something like this, it, it's so difficult and awkward that, you know, if you see this kind of thing as a challenge, fantastic. Like, go for it. But even if you don't get there, like, if you manage to get a Hedron alignment in exile and then also somewhere else alone is, like, incredible. Like, how do you yeah. get it in exile and then still have it in your hand? Like, that's uh-huh. in a singleton format. It, it, unreal. Like, yeah. it breaks my brain, yeah. but it might just soothe yours so if it sounds interesting like take a look into those kind of things look at those alternate wing cons and stuff (laughs) but yeah so good so good um (laughs) i've noticed the next one that you've listed here i (laughs) it's going from a slightly like happy excited thing um to at least your example anyways (laughs) a little less a little more somber i guess uh this is in in universe uh sort of lore or vorthos kind of um kind of builds 
Uh, you have one, don't you? <laughs> I do have, yeah. I have a Save Tamio deck. <laughs> when it was released, however it was in the story, that Tamio was Phyrexianized. I, like much of the internet, was completely distraught by this news. Very angry with wizards. How dare they? A bunch of tyrants over there yeah. writing their story. Of all the... Oh, and even just, like, the wholesomeness of the of the story and how she's, like, an adoptive mom to Nashi and mm-hmm. then even, like, corrupted version of Tamio still has this, like, familial love, but now it's for Pyrexia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it made me so upset. I went yeah. on this, like, Twitter rampage. My mind just, like, went into frenzied mode. And, uh... I I came up with this this deck that the goal is to undo Tamio's Phyrexianization <laughs> with game mechanics. So it plays every version of Tamio. Um, it plays every card that has Tamio in the flavor text. And then the first goal, it's I guess it it, it overlaps with our sub goal category because the first yeah. goal of the deck, I'm not going to try to win until I can get a Phyrexian Tamio on board irregular Tamio on board and then transform through some wild chain of cards transform the Phyrexian Tamio into a copy of the regular Tamio to transform her back into how she's supposed to be and undo the stupid lore decisions of Wizards of the Coast uh, <laughs> it's a lot but it's you know it's an, maybe an extreme example but there are lots of people who play decks like yeah. this where it's like Chase has that Chandra tribal deck, or there's people yeah. who have Liliana tribal decks, or um, people who are like, this is my Theros deck, and it plays out the events of Theros. I think yeah. Magic does have a rich lore mm-hmm. if you want to dive into it, and I think there are ways that you can represent stories that resonate with you as a person. You know, I personally found that the Tamio story had it resonated with me in some terrible ways and so I, uh, this is a piece of me now in this deck and I'll probably never take it apart because I just want Tamio to be back to normal and, and playing cards like Flood of Tears because it makes me really sad that this happened in this yeah. deck uh, it's, it's both a piece of magic story and, and a piece of who I am yeah, it's a little bit more of a nebulous concept of self-expression because it's a little less tied to the cards themselves and what they do, but rather what they represent. And yeah. it just goes to show like how wide and deep all of this is because this is completely different to going, oh, I'm, I'm going to build a deck with a companion or it has to be under $50 or whatever. Like They're all mechanical restrictions, whereas this is telling a story through cards or trying to in your case alter the story through cards and like that's again it's something that i wouldn't do usually at least because i i personally i don't have the brain for i don't know where to start with this stuff but like there's there's obviously a, a a type of personality or deck builder or or vortos for the game that you could just find these things and you just put them together and like I've seen other people yeah. as well doing these like lower heavy builds and you know they function like mechanically within the game um, they're not but again they're not designed to win that's not the point of them 
the point is to do something else entirely and the game is merely just the environment in which you can do that thing and yeah so far detached from the typical play in magic but is still magic yeah it's awesome yeah definitely and i i think that it it can be sort of both you know it it Mm. does this thing where it curbs power level for sure which helps especially if you're somebody who struggles with knowing how to rein in your power level um this is a thing that will definitely do it and you can make your uh gideon tribal deck as powerful as you possibly can and there's still going to be a distinct upper limit to how strong that deck can be and so you've done the thing where you've cranked it as hard as you can but it's still going to play fine with your more casual play group because you've put all these um these lore restrictions on it um But, yeah, also, if you just love Gideon and you found his character to be interesting, um, you can find ways to to express that and relive it and yeah. experience it again over and over when you play with your friends. I think that's uh, something unique and special to Magic, for sure. Yeah, really is. Now, <laughs> the next one. This is, this is actually a surprisingly well-known one, but it's not one that you see very often. And that is like yeah. a very hard theme or very difficult theme to try and restrict yourself on. The example that you gave here is ladies looking left. I've heard the reference to this build several times. <laughs> yeah. I've never actually seen it in play, in action. But like, for example, I with, that, with that, is ju- it's just, isn't it the art? It just has to depict uh, women in the art and at least one of them has to be looking to their left. In the yeah, art that was it. Something. I think it was some like really popular Reddit post from years and years ago. Yeah. But it's sort of become the the representation of like the the meaniest possible really strict restriction you can put on yeah. a deck. I've never seen anybody actually play that one, but there's also like you know people sitting in chairs. I think is one. Yeah, chair tribal. Uh, yeah. I played against uh, Chris Mooney, and they have a deck that's. It's a gore claw deck, but it's they call it four claw. Okay. Like F O U R, and every every card has to have some kind of representation of four in it. Okay. And so Chris is playing every forest in the deck. First of all, which is funny because it's forest, yeah. but every forest <laughs> that they're playing has four of something in the art, or you know every every card in the deck is so it's just like mm-hmm. weird, really strict themes like that that you can if you really want to go deep if if chandra tribal is not (laughs) strict enough for you you can find something really strange to really go hard on another example of that actually that i can remember off the top of my head i remember watching i think it was a car kingdom stream where ben wheeler was playing and he was playing an octavia deck and it was everything to do with eight the number eight. Oh yeah because octavia mentions eight eight times in her card and yeah. so he tried to do everything he could to have eight represented in everything in the deck as uh, wherever possible like for example he would put in treasure cruise which is eight mana or uh, for yeah. example he had eight lands in the deck um <laughs> yeah that's commitment yeah that's so, real commitment it was it was wild to see um it <laughs> you know but like that wasn't the point the point was in air quotes functioned yeah massive (laughs) massive swinging air quotes but um yeah 
that in itself is is a, just a different form of entertainment or a different form of uh, self-expression where you could just say you did the thing you know i, I put yeah. magic on hard mode and i did it look what i did you yep know? yep that's definitely great. yeah the example i wrote down that i have that might fit this category i have a deck that is the primary goal is to reenact the food fight scene from the 1990s film Hook, starring Robin <laughs> Williams. Scott, have you seen Hook? Uh, oh god, when I was a child, like yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's this scene where, like, you know, Robin Williams is an old, grown-up Peter Pan, mm-hmm. and he returns to Neverland, and there's the Wild Boys, and they have this dinner scene where the food is all imaginary. Yeah. Um, and it's about him using his imagination and then they have this big food fight and uh, I really love the, the movie Hook and I really love Robin Williams and so I have this whole deck where it's uh, the commanders are Akiri and Iktekik and they're, mm-hmm. I've, I altered them to be Rufio and Smee mm-hmm. and the whole point of the deck is to make as many foods as you can and then play a bludgeon brawl and Bludgeon Brawl allows you to use your non-equipment artifacts as equipment, and they give plus X plus zero, where X is their converted mana cost. Well, food have a zero converted mana cost, so in that sense, they're pretty imaginary, but you can equip them for free, and so you're trying to just you know use cards like Caddy Bree that gets bigger per the number of equipment, yeah. or... Wyleth that draws you cards for the number of equipment that you have, things like that, to try and make use of these foods that are otherwise useless. <laughs> but it just feels really good to hit somebody with a food. It doesn't do any extra damage, but it just feels really good. Send it a message, um, yeah. <laughs> but I've, I've committed so hard to the theme. I have basic lands that fit. I've altered the commanders. I, I, had, I made uh, custom sleeves through Dragon Shield, where yeah. the, sh- the sleeves are the VHS art. <laughs> Uh, so it's like as hard committed to the, making this represent hook as I possibly can, which is something that is probably generational and plenty yeah. of people wouldn't even understand, but it makes me really happy. And that's what's important. That's the, Yeah, sure. <laughs> and speaking of like making making you happy and that's being an important part of this is the the last of these sort of uh, creative deck building and brewing uh, things that you have listed here is making something that's bigger than the game you know the yeah. in-universe lore kind of stuff and the hard themes and stuff they can be to some extent or to some understanding bigger than the game because you're not necessarily trying to play within the confines of the game to a typical win but this is usually like a little bit more personal i think because yeah. like the example that you have here is like memory deck so a deck that reminds you of like certain memories from playing magic or from certain moments or yeah. events and that kind of thing yeah yeah so i have a i have a deck you actually wrote about it in one of your card mm-hmm. kingdom articles where i just have uh it's, it's a merfolk tribal deck but it's mostly just full of really special memorable cards to me um, I had friends sign cards at events. Um, I had things that I won in modern tournaments. I had, you know, I went to Gen Con uh, pre-pandemic and I met Gavin Verhey and Sheldon Mennery and I had them sign cards. So all that stuff is in there. And as I'm playing this deck, I'm reminded of those moments that are that are bigger than the game, that are that are about the people, um, the things that I that I value the yeah, the treasured memories are sort of stored in this archive, um, in yeah. this in this deck, and um, so every time I play it, I get to 
kind of relive those moments. I need to have you sign my step through for that deck. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I have actually started to do something similar with my Lelia the Blade Reforged deck. So when I brought it to Birmingham for Command Fest, um, anybody that I was friends with, either my playgroup that was going or anyone that I met there and played with or that I met there that I knew through Twitter, because, you know, we like the two of us, we met through Twitter through just chatting on there and then we got playing a couple of games and then you know messaging and stuff and these are slight tangent but like particularly over the pandemic there are a lot of relationships and stuff that have been formed over twitter and over discord and over the internet in general that yeah now are starting to feel like at first it kind of felt a little strange for a lot of people because it's like i've never actually met this person but the more Mm -hmm. time goes on the more that it doesn't really matter so much because, well, obviously you want to meet them in person. Like, that is still there. That desire is still there. But it's not necessary in order to have a, a, a good friendship or a good relationship with somebody. And, yeah, so what I wanted to do with the Lelia deck was any people that I met in person, I wanted to be able to, like, commemorate that moment and have them sign something in the Lelia deck that meant something to them. I met Max Makes yeah. Magic. Uh, he flicked through the deck. And he saw Liquid Metal Torque and he was like, that's done weird stuff in my videos. I love this card. I'm going to sign it. You know, um, one, of the, yeah. one of the other folks, Adam the Gathering, he saw Mana Geyser and he was like, oh, I've signed this. I love this. Yeah, let's go. And, and that kind of thing, like Tara from a playgroup loves a good runaway Steamkin. So she was immediately like, oh, that's the one I'm signing. And yeah. now when I play with that deck, I'm reminded every time I draw these cards or every time I go to play them, I, first of all, remember that, like, oh, that's this person. I think about that person. That's really nice. But then also sometimes when I play them, sometimes people are like, oh, who signed that? And then I get to tell a little story about, like, oh, that's from this time when I met so-and-so and we played a game or they're from my play group or they're my best friend or whichever. And that's, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. 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 That's a special thing. Um, yeah. And I think that's, that's really, really important. And really, I think really what the game is about. Absolutely. It's about the gathering. <laughs> I know I know that's been like really over said, like particularly over the pandemic, because you know, people are like, I know we're playing magic, but I miss the gathering, you know. Yeah. Um yeah. it was said about as often as like it's still March twenty twenty to me, you know, but yeah. It's yeah. uh it's true though. It's true because I don't think any of this would last as long if we were just you know, if we were all just sitting on arena, yeah. Is it gonna mean as much to us? No. 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 Yep, absolutely. Scott, if you don't mind, I'm going to I'm gonna recap for mm. listeners. Since they don't have show notes, I've kind of yeah. done like some bullets and some sub-bullets here. But as a recap for like this creative deck building category mm-hmm. of ways you can express yourself in Magic, um, we did limitations, a challenge, sub-goals. There's in-universe lore. Uh, there's a hard theme, or there's making a deck that's bigger than the game. Yeah. Um, the, the next category after deck building I put on here, um, we just hit very briefly, but I thought it was interesting to think about how people have their own personalities, that that is sort of their self-expression, which sounds self-explanatory. Obviously, everybody mm-hmm. has their own personality, but I mean more like people who host others often, mm-hmm. um, people who create content. You know, I think, for example, the Mental Misplay channel yeah. is intended to be this friendly place where you can experience CEDH at a comfortable level. So 
something that can be intimidating. Let's have fun. And that's what those guys are about. And I think they do that really well. Or, you know, if you listen to like the MTG Goldfish podcast, it sort of feels like, oh, this is a group of friends and they kind of, you know, razz each other and have a good time. And you're sort of listening in on this friend group. And that's what they're about, you know, but as we live in this pandemic world where we consume content, now content creators are in a sense sort of hosts into a little experience and they get to decide what kind of experience that is. And um, that's part of who they are, what their goals are, what, what kind of space do they want to exist in this magic the gathering internet world. Yeah. And the first person that I thought of when you were talking about this as well was Chase. Their stream is, I've, I've been on their stream like dozens of times at this point. Um, yeah. And they encourage like good, strong play um, with like pretty reasonable decks, but like nothing is ever really mean on there. Like it, it, it very much feels like it's, we're all here to have fun. Let's, yeah. let's let it be chill. Let us talk shit with each other. Let's just make silly things happen. And yeah, like it, it's very much the kind of place where I would like draw a card for turn. And the first thing that comes into my head when I see that card is like, should I go for it? Should I do the really, really dumb thing that might just screw everything up right now? And the answer on Chase's stream is almost universally yes, because <laughs> we're here to do silly stuff. Like we're not here playing yeah. super serious game. Like let's just do the silly yep. thing. And if the whole thing's borked, we'll just start over. It's good. You know, and yep. developing those kind of like bubbles of this is the kind of specific experience that you get here. Like that is a, that is a form of self-expression because that is the kind of game that Chase wants to play all the time. And the people that go on there also, first of all, know what they're getting into when they go in there, but also usually actively seek that kind of experience out. And it's great to have, and great to have that kind of thing. And Again, like you said, like Mental Misplay do it very, very well as well. But there are countless creators yeah. that have this, especially now, again, something that has grown over the pandemic, which is the, the spell table streams. There's just yeah. been such a massive increase in them, and they're all unique in some way. Um, yeah. At least that's what I tell myself about my own one. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. And even if you're at home listening and you're not a content creator, like you still probably do this in ways maybe that you don't even realize yeah. if you're hosting games at your kitchen table or if you're an active part of your LGS community, you're shaping the culture there. And I think that's something to consider is what parts of you do you want represented in that culture? What do you find important about magic and how can you cultivate that type of culture that you want your commander games to be like? Yeah. All right, Scott, I have a question for you. Did I miss yes. any? Are there other ways that you've seen people express themselves in magic that I didn't include in our show, show notes? Oh, oh, God. Or did I, I, did I hit it all? I, I aced the test, and now we know all the ways. To be honest, like I, I'm kind of the sort of person that thinks that you can never cover it all. Yeah. Especially when uh, when you're put in the spot like this. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah. I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, but these are definitely like the big ones. These are absolutely the big ones. And there are other ways in which you can express yourself. Like deck building is the big one. The big, big one. And that is what yeah. we spent most of our time talking about. But the beauty of it is that like tomorrow, while thinking about magic at some point, one or either of us could think of a new way to express ourselves or... Mm-hmm. a new a new approach to the game or yeah 
anything like that. Actually, one that I've thought of that I only really know of one person that regularly does it at least, or at least visibly does it. And that is to make the game your own. And I mean, in terms of what the parameters of the game are, build your own format, build your own sub format. Like mm-hmm. the person that I think of is Cass Wiley uh, from Master Modern Podcast. He comes up with a new format every like month or two. And yeah. it's great. Like he's been pushing Artisan Commander. That's how I got into it. And, you know, he was talking about like modern set legal singleton 60 card decks, I think it was. Yes. And yeah. like that's such a sweet idea as well. And trying out these different environments in which you can play the game is really, really awesome. And like it doesn't take a game designer to come up with a new format. You know, like people do it all the time. Like people in their own playgroups, they might be like, oh, it's commander, except we don't do commander damage here. Now, obviously, they're crazy. Commander damage is brilliant. But, you know, you're right. If it's something you want to do and it's the the curated experience that you want, go for it. Like that is, in essence, what rule zero is in commander. But, you know, no one says that you should or shouldn't do these things. Like one thing that we haven't really touched on, um, I think it's pretty obvious, but like the silver border cards and the cards that will be coming out in Infinity that you know, are technically not commander legal, but Marrow is still like, if you want to play them, just play them, please, for the love of God, we've taken the silver borders off to remove the stigma, please put them in your decks if you want to play them. That's a great way to do it as well. You know, there's there's so many different ways that you can look at the game and go, what do I think I would like more than the default way in which to enjoy the game? And once you identify those things, you can just change it and do whatever you want. And it's great, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I know that we might we might be pushing time a little bit, but I did think it was really important for us to hit on again why this is bigger than just about, you know, cardboard rectangles. Yeah. But why are so many people drawn to this game where we get to express ourselves like this? Mhm. Um and I, I I mean you can tell me if you agree or not. I th- I think something that's really core to us as humans is we want to know and be known like that's very it's really valuable i want i want to know the people i care about deeply Mm -hmm. and i want them to know me deeply Um, i want to be able to have relationships where i don't have to hide pieces of who i am but on in the other way communicate more and more of who i am Um, and i think that's that's probably why i'm drawn so much to alters and creative deck building and finding ways to express myself through this game is that the people I play it with are important to me and I want them to know who I am and I want to know who they are. Yeah. That is a huge part of it for a lot of people, I think. Like, I know for a fact that I would be a totally different person without Magic, that the people that I've met through Magic, either through just playing or through content or anything in between, they're some of the best and most amazing people I've ever met and we met because of a shared love of the game and Commander because again this is where self-expression is at its greatest in Magic in my opinion and you're able to see other people's self-expression because it's there on the playmat or it's there in the deck box or you know Uh it's there in the format or the game that they're making and it's so easy to be able to identify and vibe with those things that it it not only is it just a common talking point that you can break the ice, like 
if you go to an event you, uh, and you walk through the doors of a command fest, you know that you could just start talking to anyone past those doors and you can just start a conversation and have no anxiety yeah. about like, what are we going to talk about? Or like, it's just there already. You know, we have this yeah. understanding from that. You can then start finding these people that you vibe with. And the, this is how like a community sort of um, coalesces into these sort of tight knit groups and stuff like my play group. I only knew one or two of them before the pandemic. And then when we started playing online, one of them had a friend that also wanted to play a game and they had a friend who wanted to play a game. And now we're all best friends. Like we talk every day, we hang out on spell table. Half the time we don't even play games. We're just there because we found each other through this. And that's so cool. And I don't know of anything else that does that. You know, like I don't know people that play... Well, there are some things like there say, like, I know a lot of people that made a lot of like lifelong friends through the likes of Final Fantasy 14 or that kind of thing, like MMOs and stuff. Yeah. But it's rare to have those kind of things. I think magic just gives the easiest way into those kind of situations where you can get to know people that you want to know and they can do the same for you. And genuinely, it's it's beautiful. Like... Yeah, I know it, it is. It, it can sound cheesy talking about a, you know, cardboard rectangle, wizard squares kind of job, but it's what it is. It is. It's beautiful. Yeah. I some of the best friends I've ever had have existed in my life because of this, and yeah, yeah I, I I don't think of anything else to yeah. add. It's just it is yeah. what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, it's a special thing. Yeah. the The next thing I've listed here, you know, you and I are both sort of creative people. We like yeah. art. Uh, we like music, and what's interesting is I think magic. There's so many cards that exist now that it is its own means uh, to art. It's its own art form, really. It you know, it's like a, a medium through which we can do creative things. You know, all those all those deck building ideas we listed are all possible because there's so many cards that exist, and yeah. um, some people use it paintbrush and some people use a guitar and we can also use magic cards to make something yeah it's one of the things i think i notice is a difference between me and a lot of people that i see people that aren't creators at least now i do understand the burnout from constant set releases and everything but usually the first thing for me maybe i have a greater resistance to set related burnout than others but when i see that there's going to be a new set and they start previewing cards from it i just get so excited because to provide an analog to something that you mentioned there a few minutes ago like if you if i was a painter i'd be like oh some new colors just dropped like yeah. green now exists like that's that's incredible <laughs> you know like yeah. when you when you put it in that kind of lens it can only be a great thing now I know that it can be a bit much over time. And I personally am starting to feel a little bit of the the set-related burnout and this gap between now and Dominaria is great. But for the most part, it's it's really good. I I really enjoy the fact that we get so many new ways to embellish our creations with these new elements that have just suddenly come into existence. It's awesome. Yeah, if you're a paint salesman or you're you know, a painting podcaster and suddenly green was introduced and then next, next month purple's introduced. Like, yeah, that gets, that gets frustrating and tiring because it introduces so many possibilities. But if you're the, if you're an artist primarily, then yeah, it can be an exciting thing too. Yeah. The next one I had listed was, uh, you know, maybe if you're a little spikier, um, maybe you 
feel better when your wins come through cleverness. Yeah. Um, you feel like you've succeeded. You know, I mean, not I don't I don't want to disparage anyone, so don't hear me do doing that. But I just personally don't find it very exciting uh, if I cast an expropriate and it wins the game. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't feel like I worked very hard for that. Mm. And you could disagree, and some people play, feel like they did, and I think some of that gets into the, are you more of a Timmy archetype player, are you more of a Johnny, those kinds of yeah. things, and that's okay. Um, but for me personally, I, I don't want, I don't like casting powerful spells Same. that say do a powerful <laughs> thing, you know? I want to do non-powerful things and piece them together in a way that creates a powerful thing, because I feel like I earned it and I worked for it, and that sort of fulfills uh, maybe some of my spikier side is I feel yeah. like I did a thing that was really hard. And if I had just cast expropriate there, that didn't feel like I did a thing that was really hard. I just survived until I was able to cast that spell, you know? Yeah. To put sort of a comical analog to this, if like anyone can make toast, right? But it takes a special kind of person to build a Rube Goldberg machine that makes the toast for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I love my Rube Goldberg machines, and when they make my toast, it feels great. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, we'll just stop it there. That's a great. Yeah. We'll just sum it up right there. <laughs> well said. Um, the last thing I I think is maybe a strange tie-in, but I think it's important. Um, I I wrote aesthetics and ultimately safety. Okay. And why I think those are are tied together, you know, I mentioned I have this hook deck. Um, and I, you know, I love Hook and I love Robin Williams and it sort of is a piece of my childhood and a piece of who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's just sleeves and altars and, yeah. you know, but there's something about being able to bring in this safe place of who I am, this, this meaningful thing and yeah. bring it into a space with other people who accept it. You know, I think that's another important piece of the magic community is that when we express ourselves in all these ways, um, that we sit across from people who accept those things. And then that's why it feels so good when somebody compliments your deck, Mm. because you've put a piece of yourself out there and they've said, I see that and I like it. Yeah. Good job. You know, that that's meaningful. That's, that's bigger than just magic. That's, um, I think the kind of thing that keeps me wanting to brew more creative decks is because there's there's not a better feeling in the world than for someone to say, I see that. And not only do I accept it, but I think it's great. Like, thank you for bringing this piece of you to the shared experience that we just had. Mm. And you know what? That's actually kind of made me think a little bit about when I mentioned earlier that I was going to be changing up some of my decks. Ultimately, a lot of them are being changed because they've sort of gotten boring or people are used to playing against them and, you know, they're not fresh and not exciting anymore. And it might just be more than the actual play pattern itself that it could be a little bit of the the piece of me that I bring to this deck. This is something that my friends and my play group are, are now used to and they, they know intimately what that is like and what it is for me. And... I don't I don't feel compelled to, you know, change it up and show them a new element to me or anything, but you know, it is nice to be able to go, well, you know, you might get me a little bit more if I was to build a different yeah. deck and it 
it, it, they start surprising you again and being like, oh, I didn't know that this is the kind of thing that you like doing or that this is the, the flavor of, of stuff. Like my, my playgroup knows that I play a lot of accidentally Voltron. I'm the accidentally Voltron person. Like I don't build <laughs> Voltron decks. They just accidentally are. Um, like, That's where we're different, Scott, because I'm, all, I'm very intentionally Voltron. Yeah. <laughs> on um, purpose. There are very few decks that I've built that are intentionally Voltron, but most of them are either like spell-based or graveyard-based or artifact-based that just incidentally can kill with commander damage. And mm-hmm. that's the kind of style that I have developed. And I feel like there's more to me than that. So I feel like that this sort of chapter is not necessarily closing within my sort of self-expression within magic, but it's something that I want to take a little bit of focus off of and put into other ways in which I want to express myself. And I think that that is actually part of what me changing the decks around and disassembling some of them and starting new ones is all about, because yeah, it is like we change as people, first of all. We change as people and we don't ever have to stay the same. There's no written law of the universe that says we must be the same throughout our life. We can change. We should be fluid. We should be able to adapt to our surroundings and become who we want to be. And if you find a way to do that through deck building, it sounds kind of wild to like compare a card game to, you know, the fluidity of your identity within society. But it's surprisingly easy to connect the two. Like it's, yeah, it's there to make use of that is extremely valid. Yeah. Yep. That's a great point. And I I think that actually that ties into this last point that we have here Mm -hmm. for this topic. You know, if you're on Twitter, especially, I feel like there is this never ending, always turns back around this debate about commander power levels and how do we rate them and how do we match them Mm -hmm. and what is CEDH and what's not CEDH and what's high power and what's casual mean. I think the reason that that churns back around all the time is if you're someone who finds pieces of your identity mixed in with your magic playing and your deck building, then when someone sits across the table from you and they've misunderstood or you're not on the same page and they crush you or you did, if I sat down to express myself in a way and your deck didn't let me do that, then there's a big piece of what, I love about this game that you have removed from me. Hmm. You, you've prevented me from doing that. And that might not be intentional at all. It might have just been a product yeah. of a miscommunication or whatever it is, or we have different goals. But I think that's why we're always, people are always feeling hurt or grumpy or salty or whatever it is about, you know, power level mismatches mm-hmm. is, you know, if I, I, I feel like that all that safety, all that who I, I wanted to present a piece of me and have that be a, a part of our shared experience here. Um, but you didn't let me do that. Yeah. Um, if we don't have words to articulate that, then it just sort of feels gross and we don't like it. And then we go to Twitter and we try to find ways to put words to it, or we try to solve yeah. it by putting a number system or something on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think if you're like me and you find parts of your identity swirled in with being creative and magic, then I think that might be a place where you diagnose some of that grumpiness as you feel it. Yeah, absolutely. Because there are a large number of people that play like pickup games in like LGS and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of that is down to, you know, you're there at the time or you don't have a regular play group and that kind of thing. And 
they're often scenarios where miscommunications are most likely because you're playing against someone that you don't really know what kind of way they're set up um, you might have a different goal like you said or this kind of thing and if they don't let you do that thing for whatever reason either miscommunication or intentional or not or anything it can as you said feel terrible or feel targeted or feel personal and I feel like that's where a lot of these difficulties sort of arise is there there's no real correct way to communicate these kind of things these kind of intentions behind playing these games because I think the I think the default that most people have in their head is when we're sitting down to play commander the base goal is to win the game that I think is tied over from just it's a card game where we have life totals and if it hits zero you're out so there is an inherent competitiveness sort of built into the mechanics yeah. of the game that can be hard to get over and it can be hard to communicate to others who haven't thought about this because realistically like not that many players would necessarily have thought as deeply as we're talking about it now like personally this is the first time I've sat down and talked for you know one to two hours about the the complexity and the depth of self-expression within magic you know I'm learning as we're talking here yeah it's not something that most people have with the facilities in order to be able to do to sit down and, and, and chat like this and to be able to learn these things and that can lead to these kind of circumstances where you're not quite getting the experience that you want again it's usually down to not having that communication be clear in the first place because of a lack of regular play group and that kind of thing like I know if I was to go to my play group and be like listen I want to make a, I don't know plant tribal um, because I feel like uh, my recent turn into gardening has become like a big part of me and this kind of thing like yeah. it's not this is just like an example they would be really cool with it and they'd be like you know what I'll do something um, that would like sort of suit that style of gameplay so that we can facilitate you so that you can have that self-expression like I know yeah. that uh, Tara for example within our playgroup she would be able to pull out her old dwarves deck list it's like five color dwarves list because she just likes dwarves yes. she thinks they're cool and that's te- <laughs> terrible that's terrible right there's like I think there's like one blue dwarf in magic I think something like that that's amazing but, yeah but she would in a heartbeat pull that out and uh, and and build it up again or like play it on Moxfield over spell table with me or whatever if I wanted that but I'm aware that that's a privilege that I have and outside of the safety net or the the comfort zone of a play group these kind of things can be very difficult yeah, and absolutely I find personally some of the some of the best ways to do it outside of the kind of play groups and stuff would be to be extremely clear with communication. Like I am not trying to win the game, you know, or like you go through the deck list and like pull out one or two cards and be like, see this, this is a coveted jewel. Yeah. I want to make 40 of these uh, for no reason other than I can say I did it. I'm not yeah. going to try and get your life total to zero. I'm not going to try and win the game. This is all I'm going to do. I'm just here for vibes, you know, and like that's that's good to get across you know like sometimes outside of sitting down and going oh my power level is like a seven or whatever or insert any other arbitrary number on a scale (laughs) clarity of communication in what your intentions are when you sit down for these games i think is like so so important yeah Yeah. yep well said 
this has been fantastic to be honest agreed i have really enjoyed this i hope you have enjoyed this as well and it hasn't just been (laughs) no i absolutely have um this is great and i think you know what you said earlier is is true for me too we're like we are we're friends who met on twitter but it's really nice to just like talk with our real human voices and and get to connect and in this uh pandemic world where we can kind of be isolated so i've been really grateful for the experience as well same and as unusual as this sounds i'm kind of oddly grateful for the pandemic sort of because let's be real without it the likelihood (laughs) of us not being able to get in touch in the way that we did or to be able to play games together initially or anything like that it probably wouldn't have happened and i'm not saying i'm glad for the pandemic i'm really not if you've heard me on here before i'm really really annoyed about it but it's good to at least take something comforting away from a horrible horrible situation yeah we can be grateful for some of some of the products that turned out to actually be good yeah so we'll round this out we have a Two little questions from our Discord. Weeins, is that is that right? Two we mm-hmm. two weeins. Two we, we what? Weeins. We, that am I saying that right? Like we probably, ones. Probably right? not. <laughs> I'm trying to be Irish. This is oh, not okay. Um, uh, it could it could it could depend. I suppose. Like if you're from where Leanne is from, um, then an awfully like um, yeah, like weeins would be like yeah, that'd be relatively normal. Like okay. yeah, yeah. Great. I, I, I just remember now that you were you were asking me before about like words and stuff on like Dairy Girls and stuff, and I had to. I love Dairy Girls and, so yeah, much. And explain something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was I was thrown for a second there. I was like, oh no, uh, am I so tired that I now I'm failing to understand English? Uh, no, Sorry. okay, <laughs> it's okay, it's all good. We'll teach you some Irish. We, you know what we'll do? We'll get you back on at some point, and we'll do a, we'll do an Irish quiz like I did with Dan Alk, where I'll give I you a couple that. of. Uh, couple of different like phrases and terms and you have to try and figure out what they are we'll we'll, we'll get yes. you on for that next time <laughs> i love that but the q a two little q a and i think uh, it is mostly about the altars um which is a nice way to sort of bookend the the whole thing i think yeah so first of all the joe cheney which altar are you most proud of yeah, i had to think about this one the joe cheney uh i think i, th- I think of two um I did an altar that is lathial as in like a Lisa Frank style. So I found all these Lisa Frank, you know, from the nineties, very hyper saturated colors, unicorns, mm. kittens. And, uh, I made a lathial card using a lot of those components. Uh, and I'm proud of it just because it was so wild. And, uh, the idea came from someone else who requested it. And then it just has resonated with a lot of people. That's what I'm proud of. Like a lot of people Mm. said, I really like that. Can I, can I have one of those? Mm. Um, it just like the number of people is like way higher than expected. I think the other one, um, for, to be very intentional, I left out all copyrighted IP, but I call Mm. it uh, woodblock ring. And so it's a circular ring with two distinct diamonds near the bottom. So it's pretty recognizable what it could be used for. Um, But I intentionally made it without IP because at the time I was trying to figure out are there ways I can produce magic adjacent art 
and have it be purchasable because everybody yeah. always wants to buy cards and I don't I don't sell anything that has any copyrighted intellectual property on Obviously, it. Obviously, yeah. Um, but I got enough requests for it and it was I'm proud of it because um, I got a lot of positive feedback. But it was I think one of the first times I felt like people really like what I do. Like mm. that's not a thing that I, comes very easily to me. I have a hard time believing that. Same. And the fact that so many people who I didn't know said, this is great, and wanted one, somebody even asked me to sign one, was sort of like all this external proof that like, okay, what I did was, people thought this was good. It was worth doing. Um, I, I'm, it, it, was a, it was a big thing for me. I, I kind of get sappy on Twitter sometimes. I say, you know, you've, you've convinced me that I'm good at something when I think that I'm not. And I really mean that. Uh, and that was sort of a... a benchmark moment for me i think with that with that design in particular nice two things there by the way uh one i'm absolutely gonna get you to sign my lelia so that's another thing that you're gonna have to sign oh yeah i forgot i made you that lelia yeah yeah i i play it and turn it sideways with joy every time good Uh, voltron every time you 21 commander damage somebody I'm proud of you. It's, it's usually more than 21, to be honest, but yeah. <laughs> and the other thing that I was just going to talk about there is that uh, you being earnest on Twitter um, is like one of my favorite things on Magic Twitter. It's just, it's so nice to see. It's just like, you know those, this, I, like, I, I hope this comes across as the compliment that it's intended to be, but you know when you go into like Instagram or TikTok or something and you're scrolling through and you get an advertisement for like these like lower your anxiety apps or whatever, where it's just like, stop. Take a breath. Calm. It's good. Yeah. yeah, you're like the legit version of that. And it's great. Oh, that's so, that's so kind. I love yeah. to hear that. I'll keep doing it then. I definitely won't shy, shy away from it. Brilliant. And then finally, from Mickey on the Discord server, which type of alters do you enjoy seeing the most? Either awesome art ones, personal, meaningful ones... They ask because they have a friend with a goblin token altar with their dog's face on it, and they think it's awesome. Yeah, this probably won't come as much a surprise given the conversation we've just had, but I really do love the the altars that give you a look into someone's life. You know, like, a lot of people can say, oh, this character reminds me of Luke Skywalker, and then you alter Luke Skywalker on it. And that's cool. That can be cool. I enjoy things like that. But when it's like, oh, this this is meaningful to me for this particular reason. Uh, I think that's just really special. You know, that gets at the humanity of all of us. Um, I did one one time that was, they wanted, what's the name of the rabbit that taps and draws everybody a card and gain a life Quain. or something? Yeah. Quain. They had me do a Quain that was like retro style Bugs Bunny because um, their dad had passed away years ago, but they used to always watch Bugs Bunny together yeah. and this they really liked this commander. And so I made them this, re- but it was like, you know, I had like tears coming to my eyes as I'm like giving them this thing. And yeah. it's, yeah, it was, uh, it, that stuff is really, is really meaningful and special. So that's what I like to see the most. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful stuff. So yeah, Anthony, thank you so much for coming on. This has been so enjoyable. Uh, it has been like 90 minutes, which is like one of the longest episodes we've ever done. And yeah, if, sorry. No, no, don't be sorry. It to me, it has felt like twenty minutes. It has been great. To yeah. so round out, I suppose. Um, is there anything you want to leave with before we go? Be sure to, you know, plug anything you want as well. the The floor is yours. Yeah, you can you can find me at Listener Elf on Twitter. 
Um, I have a link to my link tree in my bio there. I think that'll get you to most of the things, my Instagram. Um, I did recently launch a line of playmats at Inked Gaming, which I'm really excited about. And I've been trying to put more and more on there as I've been leaning into original art. So um, any any traction I can get in that direction, uh, I'm very grateful for. So yeah, thanks so much for having me, Scott. It's been great. Brilliant. Anytime. Thank you for listening to us here at the BMcast and a special thanks to our patrons. At the Cheering Fanatic tier, we have Tom Telford, Anthony Burchett, Christopher McCarthy, Edward Whitney, Evil Vanilla Glaze, Ian Holland, Jeff Eaton, Jonas Kong, Kilgore Trout 503, Matthew O'Neill, Max Makes Magic, MF Peaches, Mini Maya, Munsu Light, Nicholas Martin, Ozan Kaplaner, Scott Hanch, The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney, Zachary Morrow, Tim Newman, and Patrick Newman. And at the Stonks tier, we have A Nice Planeswalker, Alex Gibson, Bo Schwartz Madsen, Brian A. Madden, Coffee, Everett Brogan, Nurblin, Mickey Paris, Scott Creech, Seamus MC, Simon Grip, Jamie Coyle, and Clyde Anderson. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We cannot thank you enough. If you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely and wonderful people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagiccast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at the BMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck. 